0: Welcome to Anil Arana Live. These podcasts feature audio sermons and reflections from internationally renowned preacher and retreat leader Anil Arana, recorded live during his missions around the world. For more audio podcasts, video sermons, and articles, please visit www.HolySpiritInteractive.org or www.AnilArana.com today. Making disciples of all nations
1: How's everyone doing? Last month, I posted a message on my wall about Robin Williams. I said I'd been thinking a lot about him and wondering how many men and women there are who walk in this world, making others laugh while they themselves were crying giving life to others while they themselves were dying. And the reason I was thinking so much about Robin Williams is because I was going through the kind of things that I imagined Robin must have gone through before he killed himself. I was going through a very low period in my life. I was crying for no rhyme or reason. And although there was no way on earth I would kill myself, I did ask God to take me away more than once. And if he had, I would have been very happy. I wondered why. That's the first thing I wondered, why. Because I just returned from what was possibly one of the best missions of my life. It was truly extraordinary, Australia. And... There was every reason to rejoice. There was every reason to feel on top of the world. Yet, there I was, lower than ever before, wishing I was dead. I look for solutions to problems. I look for answers to questions. And the place I usually find both is in the Bible. So, I started going through the Word of God, wondering if... Any of God's people ever felt depression? And I discovered that almost everybody did. Job, he was a very depressed man, but then perhaps Job had reason to be depressed because he had lost everything. And one day when he was depressed, his wife said to him, why don't you curse God and die? David was depressed. David we use for an example for just about Everything, but he too was depressed. And he says, Oh soul, why are you cast down? Why are you so burdened? And even David perhaps had reason. Because he was not going through an easy time in his life. He was being hunted to be killed. Jesus was depressed. Now that might come as a surprise to you. But in Matthew 26 verse 38, he actually says, My soul is suffering to the point of death. There in the garden of Gethsemane, he was more depressed than anyone could have imagined. And once again with reason. But then I thought about Jesus and I realized in all his life, he must have felt depression so many times. When people walked away from him. When people chose not to listen to him. When people tried to kill him, not once or twice, but many times. Reason for depression, Jesus himself. So we were in good company. At least I was in good company. And then there was Elijah. And he's the person I want to talk to you about because it seems that the situation I was in very closely resembled his. Because he too prayed to God after one of his greatest successes. God, take me home. Take me away. I don't wish to live. I want to tell you about Elijah. Some of you might know his story, but others may not. So for the benefit of everybody, Elijah was a prophet in the time of Ahab, when Ahab was king of Israel. Now Ahab was married to this woman called Jezebel, who was a wicked woman. She didn't believe in God. She worshipped someone called Baal. And she had a lot of supporters, including 72 priests who served Baal. One day Elijah, who was arguably the greatest prophet of his time, He went to King Ahab, and he said, look, this is not good for the people that you're forcing them to worship a false god. So let us find out who the real god is. So he set up a challenge. He took the priests of Baal, and he said, let's go to this place where we'll offer a sacrifice to our respective gods. He asked for two bulls. He asked for some wood. He said, place the bull on the wood, and offer a sacrifice to your God. Only you are not going to light the wood. You're going to pray to your God to light it for you. So these 72 priests, they prayed and they prayed. God wasn't listening. So Elijah taunted them a little bit. Maybe your God is sleeping. Shout a little louder and wake him up. So they shouted and they ranted, but still nothing happened. Then they started cutting themselves with swords and knives, and still nothing happened. And then Elijah said, now it's my turn. So he made an altar of stones. He placed the wood on the altar. He placed the bull on top of the wood. Then he asked for water to be poured out upon a sacrifice. Four buckets, then four more, then four more, till the entire thing was submerged. And then he prayed to God, the one God, the true God. And in moments, the entire thing burst into flames. And the flames took everything on the altar. This was a demonstration of Elijah's God. And then he turned to the people and said, there you have your answer. And in the next moment, they slaughtered every single one of these priests of Baal. Imagine how Elijah must have felt. The guy was on top of the world. I mean, I doubt he had ever been as high as he was before. And he charges to the city. And as he's charging to the city, he suddenly gets the news that Jezebel... Has given instructions for his death. Because she is so furious that her priests have been killed. And then Elijah does something extraordinary. He runs. He runs for his life. All the way from Jezreel to Beersheba. One thousand miles and then one day into the desert. He sits down by a bush and he says, I am useless Lord. Please take me away. I am no better than anybody else, Lord. I don't want to live. Can you imagine? At a point where he should have been happy, at a point where he should have been rejoicing, here is a man who is at the bottom of the world wishing that he was dead. I'm going to return to all these points in a minute. Then over there as he sat brooding, God nourished him, God nurtured him, God fed him, God gave him rest. And then after that, 40 days and 40 nights, he traveled up the mountain, the same mountain on which Moses witnessed God in the burning bush. When he was there, he went into a cave, another symbol for depression. Then in the darkness, once again, he heard this voice in his head saying, Go and stand out. When he was out, he heard God saying, What's the problem? What is wrong with you? And he said, all my life I've served you. All my life I've done everything you asked me to do and see your kingdom is in ruins. They've killed all your priests. I am the only one alive and now everyone is trying to kill me. Then there was wind. And the wind was so powerful, the rocks around it broke. Then there was an earthquake. Then there was a fire. But scripture says God was none of these and then there was a gentle breeze and God was in the breeze and God said to Elijah tell me again what is your problem and Elijah repeated what he said I've served dear Lord I've done everything you asked me to do I've gone around proclaiming your gospel across this nation but nobody in this nation is willing to pay heed I am dejected, Lord. I am depressed, Lord. They've slaughtered all your people. There is no one left. I am the only one. And now even me, they are trying to kill. And then God ministered to him, even as he voiced this complaint. And then he said, Elijah, I've strengthened you. Go and change the kings and appoint Elisha to be your successor. I am with you. And Elijah left, recharged, reborn, rejuvenated. What an amazing story. You want to put your hands together for God? What happened to Elijah happens to all of us. And I doubt there's a single person sitting over here listening to me has not been low, not been depressed at least once in their lives. Some of us experience frequent depression, frequent moments when we feel right there underground. And some of us have struggled with depression for a long, long, long time. But first, I want to talk about a few things that we all share in common with Elijah. What had happened to Elijah? He had a mountaintop experience of God and his power. Just like I had in Australia. Amazing experience. An experience that comes very few to people. Maybe once in a way. Maybe every one of you sitting over here has also had that experience. But you know the problem with the mountaintop experience. You can't stay on top of the mountain. At some point you have to come down. And every one of us has had to come down. And just that coming down is enough to lower our spirits. Elijah was ecstatic. Elijah was jubilant. Elijah rushed to town to tell everybody about this great miracle, not understanding one important thing along the way. He was tired. Physically, he was tired. All that exercise up there, climbing up the mountain. Emotionally he was tired. All these emotions chasing themselves around in his heart. Jubilation. Fear. Do you think he slept in the night after issuing this challenge to the priests? What happens if my God doesn't come through? Do you think that thought didn't go through his mind? All these conflicting emotions. Chasing themselves around in Elijah's heart. Just as very often they chase themselves around in your life. And you know. There are times you have ten emotions all battling for control at the same time. Happiness, worry, joy, peace, anxiety, fear. Sometimes all together. And then spiritually he was tired. You can't work a miracle like Elijah worked without feeling spiritually depleted. We all know what happened to Jesus one day when he was walking on the road. Remember that woman who reached out for his robe and touched it? And what did scriptures say? He felt power leave out of him. Every time Jesus worked a miracle, every time he did something great, power left him. Imagine the power that must have left Elijah. Every time he did something for God. And imagine a miracle like this. The guy must have been spiritually drained, spiritually exhausted. And this is what he didn't realize. In the euphoria of the moment, he was just caught away with his emotions. And he forgot that he needed to recharge. He needed to reinvigorate himself before he took another step. And if he had done that, if he had done that, Jezebel would have been history because the same thing that God did with the priests, he would have done with Jezebel. What happened to me in Australia? 21 days non-stop preaching. Can you imagine how depleted I must have been? Can you imagine how tired I must have been physically, emotionally, spiritually? I come back here and there's nothing. There is nothing within me at all. And then I fell sick, as you all know. And whatever was left was sapped away, leaving me with what? Leaving me with free reign for the devil to whisper his lies with. And the devil just waits for opportunities like that because scripture says what? He prowls about like a roaring lion waiting for someone to devour. He waits for the helpless. He waits for the weak. He waits for the infirm, and when he sees them, he charges. And if you are one of them, that's the moment you have had it. And that's what I was, infirm and weak and helpless. And he came for me, probably seeking revenge for 10 years worth of work that I had done for God. And he did the same thing with Elijah. Sitting down by a bush, Elijah feels like a failure. Imagine, one of the world's greatest prophets feels like a failure, which brings me to my first antidote to depression. Focus on the facts and not the feelings. Repeat after me. Focus on the facts and not the feelings. One more time. Focus on the facts and not the feelings. What did Elijah feel? He felt like a failure. Was he a failure? Ask yourself the same question. Whenever you feel low, whenever you feel down, whenever you feel depressed, whenever you feel suicidal, what are you focusing on? You're not focusing on the facts. I can guarantee you, you're focusing on the feelings. And what did I tell you? the past few weeks. You are not an animal. It's a very important lesson and I need you to internalize it. Which is why I'm going to keep repeating it to you. Say, I am not an animal. (laughs) Which means what? It means you have a choice with everything that comes your way. Whether you're hungry, whether you're horny, whether you're angry. Whatever it is, you have a choice. Animals don't have a choice. They will react. But you have a choice either to do, either to give in to your feelings, either to give in to your emotions, or to say, I am not an animal. And if you exercise this when it comes to feelings, you're also saying, I choose not to feel this way. I remember after coming back from Hawaii, it changed my life the way I looked at things. I refused to be depressed. I refused to be sad. I refused to be unhappy. So what happened now? What happened now? What happened now was that I was in a weak place. And when you're in a weak place, it's very difficult to be able to respond in any way except through weakness. Which is why I gave in to what was troubling me. Until the time when I got up from there and I said, I am not an animal. I have reason." I have free choice. And more than any of these things, I have God by my side. And with God by my side, nothing is impossible to me. I will turn to God's word and in God's word I will find the solution and with God's grace, I will be able to go through whatever I'm going through. And within a few days, I won't say immediately, within a few days, whatever was troubling me started to lift off. And the reason I'm preaching to you today is because there is no depression anymore. There is only the victory that comes through faith in Christ Jesus. The second thing we need to keep in mind is to focus on the blessings that we have received and not the blessings that others have received. What was it that Elijah said, He complained about? Lord, I am just like everybody else. Now here one senses a degree of pride. You know that Elijah thought he was a cut over everybody else. He was after a prophet. You know, so some cutting down of size might have been needed at the time. But there is something else implicit in what Elijah said. He said, I'm not a successful person. I'm not a person of importance. God may have chosen me to be his prophet, but I don't feel like a prophet anymore. I feel like anybody else. Now this is also something that gets us down. When we start to look at people around us, when we start looking at if you're a singer, you look at someone else who's a better singer than you are, and what happens? You start to feel down. When you look at me and you see all these thousands of people come and you say, look, I am, I'm not as good as him. Any discipline of life, the reason I'm saying worship and the reason I'm saying preaching is because it's the background I'm coming from. But look at your jobs. Look at the things you do in day-to-day life. You're constantly comparing yourself to other people. And that's the reason you're constantly getting yourself down. And there's one more thing when you compare yourself to people. And listen to this carefully. You're comparing your worst with the other person's best. Think about it. You're comparing your worst with the other person's best. Which means what? It means if he is a good singer. And I'm not a good singer. I'm comparing the fact I cannot sing with the fact that he can sing. What about the blessings I've received? I'm a preacher, I'm not a singer. So let me compare my preaching with the singing. And what happens? We all level out. We all level out. And God has given every single one of you a blessing. Are you following me here? God has given every single one of you a blessing. But the problem is, very often, you can't see a blessing. Why? Because you're too busy focusing on the blessings that others have received. And this is something that I've spoken about before, but it's worth talking about again. John 21. Jesus goes to Peter and he says to Peter, Do you love me? Do you remember that scene? He asks Peter three times, Do you love me? And all three times Peter says, I love you, Lord. And after that, Jesus restores, reinstates Peter, lifts him up again, appoints him as the first pope. And as they're going, Scripture says, Peter turns and sees John following them. And he says to Jesus, what about him? What blessings have you given him? What plans do you have for his life? What great things are you going to do through him? Imagine it for a minute. God has just blessed Peter beyond belief. And what is Peter doing? Instead of saying, thank you, Lord, for the blessings that you've given me. He is more concerned about the blessings John has got. And that is the problem with many of us. Is instead of being grateful to God for what He's given us, and trust me, He's not left anyone shortchanged. This is my guarantee to you. He's not left anyone shortchanged. He has given everyone a massive gift. And if you don't know what it is, that's your fault, not God's. Find out what it is some people say, look at the way God has blessed Daniel. Do you know the story of the, par- the parable of the talents? This man is going on a holiday and, or on work or on a business trip or something, I don't remember, and he gives three of his servants talents. He gives one guy five, he gives another guy three, he gives the third guy one. The guy with five does something with his money and he doubles it. So does this guy with three. The guy with one, maybe because He looked at the other guys and said, you gave him five, you gave him three, you gave me only one, I don't want to do anything with this. So he buried it in the ground. You remember that? Now we're like that. We're like that. God might have given me three talents and I'm telling you, I use every one of them. Even the things I don't have, I use. Like singing, for instance. Three years back, I couldn't sing and my choir used to warn me, Anil, don't you dare start singing. Why? Because I used to sing in K-Note. Have you heard of K-Note? It doesn't exist. Right? That's the note I used to sing on. So I used to go to God. He's my friend. I said, I want to sing. I don't care, you know. Um, if I sing in K-Note, but I at least want to be able to hold a tune. And now wherever I go, I sing. I went to Hyderabad, I sang. I went to Australia, I sang. I went to Trinidad, I sang. You want me to sing now? No, later. <laughs> but I enjoy it. I enjoy it. And you know why? I, why? Because when this man came to the third servant with the one talent who had buried it in the ground, the house owner said, take that talent from him and give it to the one who has. Now all of you have that talent. Everyone. If you don't use it, God is going to take it from you and give it to me. Because I use everything he gives. So be careful. Okay? Remember now, point two. Focus on the blessings you have received and not on the blessings others have received. Say it after me. Focus on the blessings you have received and not on the blessings that others have received. Point number three. Focus on your successes and not your failures. How many of you are trying to live a holy life here? Raise your hands. Let me repeat that slowly. How many of you are trying to live a holy life here? Raise your hands. The rest of you are trying to live an unholy life. Okay, everyone's hand is up. Put your hands down. How many times do you succeed? I'll tell you. I'll tell you. Most of the time. I'm telling you. Most of the time. Maybe even 99 times out of 100. The devil comes around and he does his devil stuff, you know? Beautiful, isn't it? And you resist. You say, no, not beautiful. Dirty. 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 No, never mind. The one time, the one time he comes to you and you accept it and you fail and what happens? You forget those 99 times that he beat the crap out of the devil and you remember the one time that you failed. And who's there to remind you? See you fail nah, na 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 nah. See I got you again. I got you again. See, right or wrong. Look at Elijah's life, the greatest prophet who ever lived. That along with Moses, the successes he had for God, bringing a person back to life. He was one guy who did it even before Jesus came on the scene. He multiplied food again before Jesus came on the scene. He worked this great miracle that I just told you about. Before Jesus came on the scene, one failure, one failure. And what happens to him? He says, Done over there, My life has come to an end. Oh, come on. And what do you think the devil waits for? You useless, good for nothing fellow. You're never going to amount to anything. How much are you going to try? How much are you going to do? Nobody cares about you. You've been preaching and preaching and preaching. And see, the entire land doesn't believe in you. That is not the truth. That is not the truth. Elijah has been preaching and people have been listening. Because the word of God does not go out without returning to him. Without fulfilling the purposes for which it has been sent. Right or wrong? How many lives have been changed? How many lives have been touched because of this man? And there he was brooding on one failure. When for some reason he got scared of this woman and ran for his life look at your lives now because this is pertinent to your lives and the reason many of you are low the reason many of you are depressed is because this is what the devil has been whispering in your ear you're good for nothing you're not going to amount to anything whatever you try to do is doomed to failure God is not going to bless you because God isn't real has he or has he not said these things to you constantly what happens to you? you're there in that pit and the pit starts getting deeper and deeper and deeper. And as you go deeper and deeper, the light starts to fade. And then you start to believe the lie that the devil has been feeding you. You're in darkness. You're in the tunnel. You're in this cave. There is no hope. There is no joy. And by the time, there isn't anything because it's all gone. You're in the clutch of the darkness. Those of you who are depressed for a long, long time, God has brought you here for a reason. He's not just going to throw a rope down to you tonight. He's going to climb into the pit and He's going to get you out Himself by climbing the rope Himself. And for those of you who are about to get into the pit, no further. You're going to get out. You're going to get out now. You're going to get out tonight. Because Jesus is standing there with the same hand he stretched out to you two months ago. And says, I stretched my hand out to you two months ago, asking you to be my friend. This is what a friend does. Take my hand now, and I will help you out. Before tonight is over, you're going to leave your depression behind. But before that, point number four. Focus on your actions not the response of people to you. You know, I want to tell you about something that happened in Australia that wasn't good. You know, you heard about the success. I want to tell you about the failure that I had, my first failure in 10 years. I went to this church and the Blessed Sacrament was exposed and I started to preach. The sound wasn't working, no sound. The acoustics of that place was terrible, so people couldn't hear a word I was saying. I asked the choir to sing a song. The choir failed. I don't know what was going on with them. They couldn't strike a single chord. They couldn't sing a single note. So I said, doesn't matter. I will just preach without sound. I will preach without music. And for the first time in 10 years, I failed. I said the words the best I could, but as I was speaking, I noticed one person sleeping. He was the parish priest. I noticed five people getting up and walk away. This is the first time in 10 years that somebody has walked out of my talk. Half an hour, I was finished. I said, I can't carry on any longer. I sat on in the chair, and I just prayed. I went back afterwards. People tried to console me, but every time they said a word of consolation, I only felt worse. And in the end, I had to tell them to shut up. I went home and I spoke to Jesus, my friend, who had never let me down. You know, I was here last fortnight ago, even with my fever. I preached and it was a terrific sermon. He's never let me down. So he asked him, why did you let me down then? And he told me something that changed the way I look at things. He's been telling me a lot of things that changed the way I look at things. And I like it. Because when I look at things differently, I do things differently. And he said two things to me. He said, Anil, you still think you're going out on your power. You're not. You're going out on mine. And I wanted you to understand something. Whenever you preach, you're like a hero. You know, people say, what a powerful preacher. And they give you kudos. You know, when I was walking on this earth, do you know how many people turned their backs on me and walked away? Do you know how many people tried to kill me because of the words that I said? Do you know how many people rejected me? You just get acceptance. I need you to understand what I feel. And over the last, the two weeks after that, until day before yesterday, I'm going to talk a little more about that in a moment if I have the time. He said, you need to understand that when you suffer for me, it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. And actually, my talk today was supposed to have been about redemptive suffering. You know, suffering for a good cause. Because there is suffering that is bad and unnecessary, and there's suffering for a redemptive cause. And I'm going to talk about that possibly the next opportunity I get. But this is what he said to me. You need to know what I feel. You need to go through what I went through. Because not only did I go through that, all the people who followed me went through that. All the apostles went through that. And it's only when you go through the fire and you come out on the other side like a salt. Now you need to understand something, and this is what he said. Even when you go and preach and you're not informed, I am there with you. And I am the one who reaches out to hearts. I am the one who touches lives, not you. So don't go by the reactions of people. Don't go by what people say, what people do, how they respond, whether they say, this is a good teaching or this is not a good teaching. You do what you're supposed to do and you, what you're supposed to do is to declare my word. And I saw this happen in Hyderabad this time. All I did was go and declare God's word. And the reaction was terrible, as I told you at the start of this meeting. But by the end of it, God did. What God had to do, which was what? Touch hearts, change minds, and transform lives. What relation does this have to your lives? Many times people say things against you, don't they? Many times people gossip about you, don't they? Many times people slander about you, don't they? And you say, why should I be good to them? I'll be as mean to them as they are mean to me. Jesus is saying no. God is saying no. You be accountable for your actions. You do what is right. Don't let the reactions of people disturb you. What did Elijah say to God? I have been serving you. I have been preaching for you. And look, nobody is listening to me. There is nobody. They've killed all your people. And now they want to kill me too. God told Elijah, not all the people are dead. There's still a remnant of 7,000 people who have not bowed down to Baal, who have not kissed him. They are faithful to me. You're not alone. And that is what he continues to say to me. You wanted to change the world 10 years ago. You have no idea what you've done in 10 years. No idea. But it's not your business to know either because I'm the one who does everything. You just go and do your stuff. Are you listening to me? Say, number four, focus on your actions. And not on the reactions of others. Now we come to God. And now is when you really need to listen because God is going to start to work now. The first thing that God does is refresh. That's what he did to Elijah. Elijah was tired. So he refreshed him. And most of you who are depressed over here are depressed because you don't have rest. Are you listening? You're tired? Physically? emotionally, spiritually, you're tired and you need rest. And when I say you need rest, I mean that one day in the week that God says is holy, keep it holy. Don't go doing things. Stay with God and rest. Are you listening to me? And in that day when you rest, you recharge your spiritual batteries, you recharge your emotional batteries, you recharge your mental batteries. I went for a retreat in 2008 after nine months of preaching nonstop. And the first thing my retreat director asked me to do was sleep. He says, I don't even want to see your face until you're rested because he knew I was going to be useless unless I was rested in heart, mind, body, and soul. So... One day in the week, you are going to rest in the presence of God and God is going to refresh you. The second thing that God does, He renews us. Elijah was in the cave, a cave of depression like many of us sometimes get in. And then he says, come out of the cave. Come out, just come to the entrance of the cave. And that is what he's saying to you now. Whoever is in the cave now, he's saying, come out. Just come to the mouth of the cave. And then he says to you, what's your worry? What's troubling you? Tell me. Get it out of your system. Whatever it is, what is troubling you? What is getting you down? Your workplace? Your boss is an idiot and keeps harassing you? Is that it? Your husband is a jerk. Most husbands are. Is that what's getting you down? Don't quote me on that. My wife is a so-and-so. What's getting you down? Get it out of your chest. Elijah got it out of his chest. He said, nobody's listening to me. Nobody cares about you. What do you want me to go and be a prophet for? They've killed all your people. Nobody exists. Nobody exists. I feel like Elijah sometimes. Oh, I used to feel like Elijah sometimes. 7.5 billion people in the church. Nobody believes in God anymore except for a few people here and there. What am I doing wasting my time? They're trying to kill me. That's what Elijah told God. They, who they? There's only one person who tried to kill him. and That is Jezebel and even she really couldn't succeed. That's what you think sometimes. The whole world is out to get to you. That's what you think sometimes. You're doomed to failure. That's what you think sometimes. There is no hope. Tell God. Tell God I'm depressed because my son is so disobedient. He doesn't listen to what I say. Tell God I've been praying and praying and praying to you and there's no hope of restoration for my finances. Tell God I've been looking for a life companion for the last six years and all I've seen is a bunch of misfits, Lord. Tell God that. Tell him why you're upset with him. I tell God all the time why I'm upset with him. And then what does God do? The third thing, he reminds, God reminds. And what did he remind Elijah of? He came, he sent rather, he didn't come. He sent a wind, a fierce wind. A wind that shook the place and smashed the rocks. And what is Elijah going? Hey, wow, this is spectacular. I remember the time when God did these things in the past. Now there, God is going to be there. God wasn't there. Then there was an earthquake. The entire planet shook. And Elijah must have thought, Oh, this is what happened when Moses part of the Red Sea. Now imagine what God is going to do here. But God was not in the earthquake either. And then there was a fire. And then Elijah must have remembered the burning bush. And said, There in the burning bush, God must be there. And he's going to appear to me in a minute. Just like he appeared to Moses, God was reminding Elijah of all these things. But God was not on the fire either. And then there was a gentle breeze. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And in that gentle breeze, the gentle breeze that is starting to move here now, God's spirit is in that. And God's spirit is reaching out to you. And God's spirit is touching you. And God's Spirit is talking to you and says, Don't you remember? Don't you remember all the things I told you? Don't you remember that I said I was your friend? Don't you remember that I'm a God of power? I'm not an important God who sits in the sidelines doing nothing. Don't you remember that I said, I will be with you forever until the age. Remember that. Remember that now. What is troubling you? Is it so big I cannot fix? Really? Is your problem so huge that I cannot break it? What did I tell you in my word? If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, say to this mountain, move from here to there, and the mountain will move. Remember the promises I make to you. Right through my word, do not be afraid. Do not be troubled. Do not be anxious. I am by your side. What more do you need? God is reminding you now as he reminded Elijah in that gentle breeze. The shouting is over. It's just the soft voice of God telling you, I told you I was my friend. Why don't you believe? Why don't you believe? You know, I was sick even after my last talk. I went to Hyderabad and I was sick. I was running a fever, I had a heavy headache, horses galloping in my brain. It wasn't funny at all. And I was sitting there actually laughing, actually laughing. And then God whispered in my ear, So why are you laughing? I said, Because I don't care what I feel. I don't care about what is going on in my life. Because I know that even if a single person is not that. to listen to me, you are by my side. I told him even if a single person among the hundreds who listen to me is not converted, you are by my side. I told him even if I run a temperature of 104, not for a week but for one month, you are still by my side. I said no matter what happens I have discovered something over the past few weeks and that is no matter what happens, I know You're right beside me. You know, many times I get revelations. And this is a revelation. Sometimes when you're going through low moments, you do not feel the presence of God. Is that not true? You don't feel Him. Listen to me. Don't go by your feelings. Once again, focus On the facts, not your feelings. And what is the fact of the matter? The fact of the matter is God is right by your side. Whether you feel Him or not. And He's not going anywhere. Just know that and remember that. And if He's by your side, seriously, seriously. Anything can happen. What does it matter? And when I got the revelation, you know what God did with me? He did the same thing with me that he did with Elijah. He recommissioned. He told Elijah, now I'm giving you a new commission. Go and change the kings of Israel and Aram. Find yourself a successor. Teach him and appoint him. And he got him a whole lot of other things to do. And he told me the same thing. He said, I told you last year to reach out to the non-Christians. You've done that. You've obeyed my word. Next year you will see what I do with all those in the world who do not believe in me. Like he told Elijah. He said, you think you're alone? You're not alone. 7,000 other people have not bowed down before Baal. And he told me the same thing. Because I too feel alone sometimes. And very often I complain to you that I feel alone because there's nobody with me. And he says, you will wait and see. That next year... By the start of next year, you will have more people than Elijah had with him by your side, and they will help you recapture the world, person by person, bit by bit, until this entire world comes once again to subjugation to my name. And many of you sitting here are part of that number. You want to get out of the pit? You're already out and if you're not here's a hand you want my hand out of the pit nobody stays in the pit today nobody stays in the pit ever again we're not meant to be people who live in darkness we're children of the light and we're going to rise here every one of us tonight amen I want to read about David's depression very quickly. It's a beautiful psalm. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet my God? This is what you need to do and understand. Is that when you're depressed, you're empty? Your soul is parched. What you really need is like the deer pants for streams of running water. You need your God. And all you need to do is to reach out for Him, reach out for Him now and say, I am so thirsty, Lord. And what does He say? He says, here I am and with me is my living water. Come and drink. My tears have been my food day and night. While people say to me all day long, where is your God? And sometimes we too, like the psalmist, cry. We cry with tears running down our cheeks morning, noon, and night. And people say, where is this God you believe in? Where is this God? You keep talking about having faith. He's not doing anything in your life. You don't get an increment. You don't get a bonus. You don't get a promotion. You don't get anything in your office. You're not getting a wife. You're not getting a husband. Forget about God. And like Job's wife, the world says to you, why don't you curse God and live? What does David do? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one. With shouts of joy and praise among the festive thong. And I remember how it used to feel to rejoice in the presence of God. I remember how it used to feel when I used to sit down by God and feel his warmth. I remember how I used to feel when I saw miracles happen right before my very eyes so things are not happening in my life now. So what? I remember the things of the past. And then he says, why? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? And then he tells his soul, put your hope, put your trust in God and his promises. Your God said he will be with you. Your God said he will not let you down. Put your hope in that. For I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. And instead of moping, instead of groaning, instead of complaining, lift your voices and praise God. And that's what we're going to do for 10 minutes over here. And if there is one surefire way of making your depression leave and the devil run away from you, it is praising God. My soul is downcast within me, therefore I will remember you. Again, he speaks about remembering God. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. I have felt your presence in the past and I'm going to feel your presence now. Your presence that liberates me. Your presence that heals me. Your presence that takes me out of the pit of darkness. I believe that will happen now. I say to God, my rock, verse 9, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why are you disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. We're going to sing praise Adonai, and I want everyone to sing loudly. Father God, I want to thank you for this day. I want to thank you for the words of life that you have given my brothers and my sisters, your children. I want to thank you for reminding them of your love. I want to thank you for reminding them of your promises. I want, you to, I want to thank you for reminding them that you said you will always be by their side. And as we remember these things, Lord, we lift our voices to you once again in praise. And as we praise you, Lord, we believe that the darkness that we've been living in will flee. We'll believe that the pit we have been sunk in will cease to exist as we come out of this pit and walk in liberation again. All we need to do is to remember, to trust, to hope, to believe and to praise. We praise you now. Praise Adonai.
0: the sun to the end of every day praise Lord. all the nations of the earth all the angels and the saints
1: sing praise I want everyone to close their eyes close your eyes but open the eyes of your heart the eyes of your heart, see Jesus standing in front of you. He says to you, I love you. He says to you, trust me, believe in me. Believe in my promises. You might be unfaithful, but I am not. I cannot be. You might stop loving me, but I will always love you. I cannot stop it. It doesn't matter if you feel me near or not. Know that I am. Know that I'm right beside you, as close as the brother or sister standing beside you. In fact, closer. What is troubling you? What is getting you down? What is disturbing your soul? Why is it not at peace? Tell me. And even as you tell Jesus, you know that you know that He's reaching out and turning those words to nothing, replacing whatever darkness is there within you with light, taking away whatever disquiet is there within you, and bringing peace taking away whatever pain is there, whatever heart is there, and bringing healing, bringing freedom. You don't need to feel these things. It is real. And it is happening here because God is here. Because God loves and God cares. Let Him touch you. Close your eyes and just feel. And even if you can't feel, no, no that God is right beside you because he says I'm with you always to the end of this age so as we sing praise Adonai again sing it with rejoicing sing it with hope sing it with new discovery sing it with fresh understanding praise Adonai
2: The Lord. Praise
0: the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah.
2: Hands up
1: in the air. And I don't want everybody to say, okay? Everyone, don't be shy, don't feel bad. And praising God is liberation as we discovered from Psalm 42. Hallelujah.
0: Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus,
2: praise you, Father, praise you, Spirit, praise you, Jesus, praise you, Father, praise you, Spirit, praise you, Jesus, praise you, Father, praise you, Jesus, praise you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, praise you, Jesus, praise you, Jesus, praise you, Lord. Praise You King, praise You Lord, hallelujah Lord, hallelujah Jesus. Praise You, praise You Lord, praise You Jesus, praise You Lord, praise You Lord, praise You Jesus, praise You Lord. You're King of Kings and Lord of Lords. You're the Alpha and the Omega. You're the beginning of the end. Praise You Lord, praise You Lord, praise You Lord, praise You Lord. Take away the darkness from our lives, Lord. Praise You, Jesus. Thank You for bringing us into the light, Lord. Praise You, Lord. Praise You, Lord. Praise You, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord.